Hey, it's been a long time since episode one. I have gotten so much better, but you know what stays the same? The song, Greg Faulkner. I got to give the people, give the people what they want. <laughs> Greg Faulkner, what's up, bro? Not much, man. Just been trying to stay busy, you know. Uh, that's the biggest thing right now during these times, you know. Yeah, and just keeping your mind occupied, right? Yeah. No, no doubt. So before we got on the podcast, you were talking about, um, I guess, like, I guess a phase one or phase two post-COVID, they're allowing the people to play on the beach a little bit. So um, you said you've been playing a little bit of doubles and a little little bit of big court fours. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, in terms of saying that they're allowing it, I mean, they kind of are, but at the same time, it's, it's not actually put in in writing like hey you're allowed to play beach volleyball now it's just that they have other things to worry about and so you know we've had the cops drive right by our court and not say anything um as for this weekend i wasn't here this past weekend uh so i don't know exactly how they were enforcing everything out there in terms of you know the beaches being closed or whatnot i remember i came down what was it sunday when i came back i was kind of skating down the strand a little bit and uh they still had some people out there kind of how they had it before where they were kind of uh um being the security people for the the actual beach so they're you know by the time i got from my from my street on second street and i got to 15th that's when i finally saw someone at noble park like right there patrolling and they're like oh hey the strands closed the strands closed i'm like well for at least you know you got 13 blocks. I haven't seen anybody until now. So I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, So look, it's, if there's any sport, first of all, me and Rob on our other show, uh, sports debate Tuesday have done a good job commending Dana White. Um, as far as, um, accepting COVID as a reality is concerned. Right. Yeah. So they're facts. The facts is if you stay at home, probably less likely to get it, right? Social distancing, less likely to get it. If you're closer, if you're too close, you wear a mask. So that seems to be the order, right? So mm-hmm. as far as sports is concerned, you already know the facts that are given to you. And then you are trying to find ways to do to play your sports safely. So you're apprised of the risk and then you assume the risk. And then we as athletes for our sport, we take something that I call calculated risk, right? For example, mixed martial arts. Um, two people in a cage, right? Uh, ref, so the only ones that don't have a mask are the ones in a cage and a ref. The coaches right. have a mask. Uh, everyone else has a mask. Now bring your attention to tennis, right? Tennis, you got the referee all the way up in the high chair. Tennis is tennis brings new meaning to the term social distancing, as long as they shag their own balls and don't have ball boys, right, or whatever. Uh, the people commentating are literally in a bunker. <laughs> Not figuratively in a bunker. So... Yeah. So you're, you're, listen, we're both volleyball guys, but it's a podcast and I want to give you the floor a little bit on what you as players feel you can do to social distance and still play the sport of doubles beach volleyball. I'm not talking about indoor. Indoor is your, your wheelhouse, but I wanted to start easier. Well, um, I'd have to say the biggest thing is, um, obviously if you're playing doubles, right, you got four people on a court, uh, and you know, um, 
I was talking, I remember I was, I was talking about if they were worried about like other groups, you know, being really, really close proximity, like they can stagger which nets are going to be open. Yeah. You know? So you have, if you have all four courts in one little section, like you have one court that's on the ocean side and the court immediately next to it is not open. And then you have the one that's strand side and the one that's ocean side, it's not open. So you can stagger it that way. But I mean, there's other data too that are talking about how you, it's not as, um, you know, um, the virus is, is not easily passed through sweat now, you know, as they thought it was. So the main concern with volleyball was you're touching the same ball with sweat and they're thinking like, oh, you're going to get the virus that way. But and it's, it's going to seep into your now. skin. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. You know, and it's not that big of a problem, especially because you have a full net in front of you. So, you know, we are already distanced in that regard. You know, the only thing that would have to be an issue is if, you know, obviously you're at the net and there's a joust or a blot in the hand or something. But, you know, generally speaking, most of the people that you're going to be hanging out with are probably going to be people that are trying to play AVP. And obviously with all the people that are trying to play AVP in this uh, champions league right now, you have to be tested, right? Yeah. Like, so that the, all those bases are covered. Agreed. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the, and, and the Champions League doesn't have a, a whole lot of teams participating anyway. I think it's eight, right? I, I think it's six, six draw and two have to qualify. Right. Um, I believe Rafu's in it. Rafu's staying. He's um, he's gonna stay with me until um, and he's playing with Peter Marciniak. So I think he might he might have been one of the teams that qualified or had points. So Rafa Rodriguez. Um, okay. So good for him, and he and he's um, I gotta I gotta you know we gotta you you've been in my house it's pretty good so I mean he's got a room downstairs he didn't even have to come up <laughs> come upstairs yeah. so, um, so indoor has been complete kind of a complete shutdown right, uh yeah but I would say that there's a lot of new uh, facilities and and you know we we got Chris Austin with his new facility, uh you know vibes opened up um and there's a lot of different other private uh, volleyball like you know facilities that are open and they take their, you know, security measures in terms of health and stuff for their, for their people that come in and uh, they are still able to provide reps for these, for these players that are trying to just, you know, they don't know what high school season is going to look like, but they're trying to give them a a space to be, you know, Um, I coach, I I coach a ton, as you know, I coach college, I coach, uh, I coach club, I coach uh, high school. And we're just trying to figure out what's what's it going to look like. I think that we're going to have a college season. Uh, I mean, I'm on the men's side, so we in the spring we have a little bit more time to figure out what that's going to look like. But obviously, we have preseason coming up, you know. And I think that from what I hear, on the NCAA level for the women's season, like they're planning on having a season, but they're going to shorten up preseason, so which like is short season. anyway, right? right? If you, you know? think about it, their, se- so, their preseason is very limited anyway. It's, it's unfair. Yeah. Yeah, and so with that regard, like now, you know, with that going, when you, when you go to the high school level, there there's there's a, a meeting that was supposed to happen with CIF so they could figure out the whole tournament schedule, what they want to do with it. And once that already uh, is out, then we'll be moving forward with, okay, how many kids can we have in the gym at one time, you know, for practice? Or do you need to have, like, you know, in terms of, like, cleaning everything, all that type of stuff. Like, I don't know anything on that truly yet. Yeah. Did you see Chris Austin's facility? I, I, I went last week. 
I'm actually supposed to go tomorrow in the morning at 8 a.m. So. It's it's really nice. Yeah, so I'll be going meeting him at 8 a.m. and so it should be really cool and uh, he wants to chat a little bit. So, if you consider the source too, like the people involved, like Wendy, Wendy Jones, highly organized individual, very very kind, very ma magnetizing. People, for some reason, they draw themselves to her. You know, like pigeons to like birds. The pigeons yeah. don't know why they just kind of kind of wander towards it and she moves and uh, you move the bread the pigeons all kind of, the flock kind of wanders that's wendy she's magnetizing like that and yeah. chris austin the dude is i mean he's on my podcast last week he's no the dude is no frills man I, I got so much respect for him he's no nonsense he's all about um he does care but he cares about the product and he cares because when you put that much work in and other people are around you are not doing it. He, it's like he don't want to be around people that are not that are not moving all the time. Now me, that's not my personality. I, I'm good at doing nothing. <laughs> I I could sit and play some video games and this and that. But there's a mutual respect because he respects me because he knows I'm I'm um I keep it real. You're always gonna respect somebody that's gonna tell you to your face um, how they feel, regardless if you know. Yeah. Um, and I got so much respect for him because he's so young. You know, I, I, he probably feels like he's 40. <laughs> yeah, and he's, I mean, he's been doing a lot of big things, man. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, especially, you know, since, you know, playing against him in college and just seeing where he, you know, where he envisioned himself. And now he's like, hey, I'm getting it done, you know. So yeah. it's, pretty, it's pretty awesome to see. It's one of my favorite college players, too, because like he said, he um, uh, when they, when they, they repeated, they were repeat champions, he wasn't out there trying to play hero ball. He knew he had weapons, right? He, he had a, great, a ter terrific oppo. The medals were good. It was a really talented team. All he had to do really just put hands high. He, uh, he said he wasn't using peripheral vision. He said they were so in system, he could literally see. He wasn't just looking for a middle blocker leaving, you know, like a setters use it as a teaching tool. He could literally see the whole court. So mm -hmm. we're going to do about that. <laughs> It, it was really tough to play against them for sure. Like you know, yeah. uh, you know, we've had our our battles, but you know, man, they're in being, your conference too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, back so, then it was just MPSF, but you got the same conference. Yeah. Right. yeah. So yeah, when it was when, when back when I was playing, it was all MPSF. We had all twelve teams, and now it's split Big West and MPSF. So it's six and six. Some teams dropped out or disbanded, and new teams are added. So. Very interesting uh, to see, you know, the the, the talent this year, um, you know, these past few years and uh, where the conferences are at now. Okay, you're easygoing guy, but allow me to, to get a little serious, okay? But we're gonna keep the mood light because I got you on the podcast because I don't know everybody's so uptight. I need, I need, I just need a big smile to make everybody say, okay, you know what? He's happy. We should be happy. <laughs> where were you when um? You're the assistant coach at Cal, Cal State Northridge, right? Um, mm -hmm. Where were you when COVID hit to a point where they shut down your season? Uh, we what actually, were you doing? We, Go ahead. we actually had a very big game uh, coming up uh, against Hawaii. We were going to be back-to-back -back at our house. And we were just about to start conference. And so you know we you know i feel like the the guy the group of guys that we had we had our fair share of injuries early on but we saw we had we had some potential like it was looking really good like we barely lost anyone and and 
the guys were kind of just meshing together, really grooving, and then all of a sudden, you know, we hear, okay, so we're not going to have that many fans. We're not going to have any fans, but we're still at the game. So we're like, okay, cool, cool. Next few days, they were like, okay, hey, actually, we are, uh, we are done with the season. <laughs> You're like, wait, what? <laughs> and so for me, you know, as a coach, you know, and I also have been a player at, at this institution. Like, I'm thinking, like, what? Like, as a senior, like, your your season's just done. Like, that sucks. That and sucks. then. But so then for the few, you know, for the few uh, days or weeks, I was just like, wow, I'm I'm shocked that like we barely just started getting going and like now everything's done, you know. Shit. But the good news is now the NCAA was talking about how, OK, if you're a spring sport, like you pretty much get that year back. You can you can you can choose to stay. Uh, if you're a senior or if you're a freshman, whatever, whatever year you are, you can stay in that year this next year. Good. So keeping your eligibility is huge. You keep your eligibility. But the the thing that really sucks is that the people that got burned, I think basketball, anybody who was like, you know, who had like basketball, women's and men's who had the, that that championship coming up, I think they don't get they don't get another year. They don't get a redo. Hmm. They don't get a redo. Yeah. Anyone who was in the in the in the fall to the uh, you would think with all the money invested they would though. I know, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's where you were. Yeah, I was talking. I had John Mayer in the podcast, and he said they were getting on the plane to play GCU, and then when the game got canceled, he's trying to find a way to negotiate getting his players off the plane. You know, because everyone's right. putting their seatbelt on, and John's like, "No, come on, no, no, we're not." We're not yeah, doing this. I, I think I was like at home. I was just at home getting ready to go to practice or something. And then, you know, I just, we just heard about that and, and we had stopped. So, you know, we, after that, we ended up switching over to Zoom and having our meetings, our team meetings here and there as, you know, um, every, every Monday or Tuesday or so at 11. And we were just doing that for the last weeks and, uh, and our last one as a team uh we did some individuals here and there with people just to you know see how they're doing where they're at stuff like that so i know you're missing definitely an interesting transition i know you're missing door it's in your face it's in your eyes dude look at you right now yeah actually uh what's it's funny you bring that up because i was just um starting playing on the nva for the indoor you know that little like league that they were doing like the vll uh, VLA and the NBA. Mm-hmm. So I had just played on a team. I just signed up playing for uh, LA Blaze. Okay. And I had a tournament or so in February. Um, uh, and then all of a sudden, once COVID hit in like March, we had to stop practice and then everything shut down. So I was just getting back in the groove of playing indoor, like to, at that level. And it was like, it was a bummer for sure. Yeah, man, that is a bummer. Um, I'm gonna actually do something really cool. I'm gonna put some highlight clips with you. I found a little clip on on um, YouTube, um, Romania, the Romania one. Oh, I don't know yeah. if you put that up, but um, it's one folks at home to take a look at. Look at what this man is all about. Is this pictures or video? It's, uh, it's video. 
Politically correct with your music, though. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Also, I like to listen to all Yeah, those, man. Huh? Cool. So I asked Chris this last week and asked um, Aaron Wexler the week before. So I guess I'm, for tradition's sake, I'm asking you the same question. You're playing high school, all right? You're playing high school club, right? You're kind of getting into this whole volleyball thing. What tournament or what particular game or match did you tell yourself? Um, I could play this for real. I could I, wait. I could do this uh, D one high level college, or I could do this professionally. I could do this. What what tournament did you leave saying? Wait a second. I got I got something here. I could do this for real. You know, it's funny to you, to me. It was weird because I, you know, I grew up playing volleyball. Like I got into it late. I got into it when I was a freshman in high school and, you know, I felt like I didn't really get good until my, uh, my last two years of high school. And that's my, my only two years of club. Right. So to me, I wasn't even sure, like, I didn't even know like that I had the opportunity to go play college to do this at all. But the one moment I would have to say is I feel like it was when, my senior year, like when we were just, we were just rolling and it got to the point where like, you know, we had, we were playing through, uh, you know, playoffs. And like, when we got to the city championship, like my senior year, 2010, like our school hasn't won a city championship since 2000, well, sorry, not 2000, since like 1980. Right. And Predominantly, my team was, it comprised of like, it was like me, we had a ton of guys who played basketball and like, like some guys who played soccer. Like we were not like your typical like volleyball players. Yeah. You weren't purists. You were like multiple sport athletes. Yeah. But man, like after we played that city championship match and we, we ended up winning and it was like, it after that game, I, I don't know. I just, I felt like I was like, oh man, like this is, this is pretty wild. Which game was this again? It was our city championship match. Oh shoot. <laughs> yeah. We were playing against Eagle Rock and uh, 2010 and we ended up winning. I think we ended up winning in, in four In four. We got smoked the first, the first game. First set, we got beat like 25, 16 and then that second set rolled around and we're like, the gears are turning a little bit and we ended up winning uh, 30 to 28 or something. And then the Jeez. next two sets, we were just, we were just, we were, we were just on. That's freaking awesome. And, you know, for me, it was weird because, you know, I had to like, 
my senior year, we played all the way around. Uh, so we didn't use any liberos. We had like a DS that played for one of our other middles, but I play all the way around pass. I hit out of the back row. And so, you know, once like once it was like, okay, my senior year, we were doing that. I just felt a lot more comfortable in the sport. And I was like, oh, I could do this. I, yeah. could, I could definitely do this. Nice. You know? Is that when the bug ha- got planted? I'd say the bug got planted uh, my 11th grade year for sure. But that one was that year was tough because, you know, in terms of academics, um, I was taking a lot of different classes. I had uh, I had like two AP classes and uh, and then I ended up getting like two D's and an F. And I ended up my grades were like I got a one point nine and missed being eligible by that one point. point, point one. And my my coach was so mad. Like he's like, dude, all you got to do is get all C's and you could play. (laughs) That was one of those moments where like, for me, I'm really big on like, I hate letting people down. And like that really, that really hurt. I had to watch my team and we, and me not being on the court, it was like pretty hard to do, but I was there every game, every day, every game, every practice, I was there sitting and listening, trying to figure out like, okay, what are we doing? Just so I didn't miss out. To the point where my coach was like, "Hey, just go, focus on your on your schoolwork, and this isn't going anywhere." Like you know, and I was like, "Okay, fine, you're right." Yeah. And uh, that next year, I was like, "No, I'm not letting this happen again." Yep. You know, it's crazy. Like college volleyball, right? At every mm-hmm. level, Division One, Two, II, and Three. I think, as far as grades are concerned, they have that all figured out by high school. Um, because if you go to the banquet and you look at the teams getting award for like awards for cumulative team GPAs, right? Volleyballs, men, men's volleyball, women are just dumb. Sorry, you're dumb. Um, men are like one or one or two to tennis. <laughs> like every 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 school I've coached, it was men's volleyball or men's tennis. It's yeah. freaking crazy. When I was coaching at City College, Greg, um, I was there for just a year and a half, but I raised the criteria that in order to be a starter you had to have a, a, a two a two eight or better you know yeah. I, I was like i can't kick anybody off the team for being a two or ncaa is whatever you could be on the team but to be a starter you you had to have a two eight or better and all of the kids like that got threatened by their coaches some of the because because it's not like Cal Northridge like i think your senior year, you had some depth right where people had to start fight for their starting job yeah. Right. So if you go to some of these schools that it's they're top heavy, so they know that if a coach threatens them with something somewhere in the middle, they're going to care about winning more. And eventually they're going to put them in and break their own rules. But there was something about me coming in, not coming in with a hoodie. I'm not coming in with a polo T-shirt with a city college name on it. No, I'm wearing a suit. <laughs> Oxford clothes cost more than their education. All right. And. I'm, I got the big forehead and I'm mean looking and I got this crew cut and everybody's like, it's fall. Do we really want to test this guy? Do we really want, do we want to find out the hard way if this guy means what he says? I had two kids go to winter semester. <laughs> I know, I've been there. I had, two I, kids, yeah. I had two kids go to winter semester to make sure that the GPA was up to two eight. Mm-hmm. But ask me what I won. My team, um, we still lost to tennis. Every school I won, I coached at Baruch four years, City Tech, um, Hunter High School, a John Jay, 
uh, women's team was pretty, you know, pretty smart. But um, men's tennis was what the what the hell? What's up with men's tennis, dude? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something else, yeah. man. I, I'll tell you, um, I know, like for you know, me being in college, I I know that you know, obviously going through high school and stuff, and and getting to college. The biggest problem when you get to college is like you understand like how much freedom you really have and like so if you just continue mentally and you're like hey i need to just keep doing what i've been doing you're going to be fine in terms of hey i'm doing my work and all that but when you start thinking about oh wow like no one really is going to be checking on me doing anything like obviously your coaches are going to tell you that hey you need to make sure you keep your grades up but no one's really there to hold your hand yeah you can kind of, you know, stray a little bit from, yeah. you know, what goals you're trying to, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm embarrassed. The only kid I've lost to academic eligibility, out of all of the programs I coach, high school and, and college or whatever, yeah. Hunter High School. This school is an academic school. This school leads the nation in two categories, cumulative SAT scores and um, Ivy League application acceptance. <laughs> and my second year as a coach, I lost a kid to academic ineligibility at a at an academic school. I'm like, well, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I went to, you know, city colleges was weird. Oh, we got a gift. Leave it. Leave it. I'm leaving it. Is that a gift from Zoom? Who says yeah. I want this gift? Get it out of there. Get it out of there. Is that a gift for uh, on your side or mine? It's on yours. Okay. How dare them? I mean, what's up? Don't they see I'm doing something here? Hold on, Greg. Let's see if I can leave it. You just, you just press the, that little button right there. All right. Let's see if I could do this. Yeah, I'm pressing the button. There it is. Oh, I'm back. Sorry, people. Are. Yo, man, this is what happens when I tech my own show. Miranda, Gagne, I miss you so much. <laughs> 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 right she teched our first episode i think so so out of all of out of all of the schools that getting in the school you didn't uh, some of these colleges you didn't necessarily need to be an academic genius like city tech only for the technical occupational specialty city college if you're part yeah. of the uc davis school of medicine yeah or if you're an engineer yeah but these are city universities you got a heartbeat you live in the city they got to take you and all of these kids are eligible and all of them are 2.8 or better and i'm at hunter high school and that kid ended up leaving the school he yeah got, he got eventually i mean so i guess not really my fault but he got he got kicked out of the school for grades so and that was so oh god greg that was so sad <laughs> who um northridge who'd you who'd you lose to academic ineligibility in your four years you lost i know you lost one i mean i will i will say that you know our golf team for sure was up there um and who else was up there I want to say like men's and women's golf is pretty pretty much up there. I know one year we ended up winning. I think it was like 2017, maybe 2018 or so we ended up winning or something like that. But I think that like before when I was on, when I was on the team, it was like, we, we still definitely met, uh, like really, really cared about athletics, like, uh, and, but also having, you know, a really good GPA because, you know, that balance is very, very important. And it, and it, it adds that character, you know, being able to, you know, have, you know, uh, such a rigorous, uh, you know, course load, but then also being able to be an exceptional athlete is just absolutely what any university would want, you know, to show, you know, and, and, 
to for to be an athlete and to be proud of, you know. So I think um, definitely uh, as we as years went by, we ended up figuring out like uh, like for me when you first get in, like it's like I said, you know, you have that moment of like, okay, hey, I got I have freedom and stuff, and and then you actually understand how you go about, you know, athletics, right? And how you go about your grades and academics. And the biggest thing is like, you need to be able to have that relationship between, you know, your professors, because obviously if you're going to be an athlete, you're traveling, you're doing all this type of stuff. And so being able to be like, okay, Hey, you know, I have to travel for the, for these different dates, you know, um, and then also being able to, to talk to your classmates and be able to like, hey, I'm going to be missing, you know, can I get the notes for this or whatever? And just making sure that you have that network of people that can help you out. But also, you know that you are showing your professor, hey, I'm on top of my stuff as well. Like, I'm not just your typical athlete who's just going to be like not doing his stuff and trying to get a handout for somebody. You know what I mean? I think that was like the biggest thing. That was like a that I felt that I was like, man, that you have that stigma of you're an athlete in college, you know, whether you're playing basketball or whatever, like that was like what people were thinking what was going on. But it's like, no, you know, I'm I'm a student first too, you know. So I'm here to 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 get both things done. I'm here to 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 compete uh at the highest that I can and also get a degree. Yeah. You know? Student athlete student comes before student athlete, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're coaching there because that's the message you're passing on to people like as it was passed on to you, man. That's good, good stuff going on because Cal Northridge, I'm not saying they're careless about their grades, but they that strikes me as the kind of school that where people know how to have a good time. You know, <laughs> like yeah. I'm looking at everybody that came out of there like you chill, laid back, know how to have a good time. Ty Trambley, uh, Setter. You, right, laid back knows how to have a good time. Uh, uh, Marty Lorenz, <laughs> right, knows yeah. right knows how to have a good time. And you, we we could keep naming naming names of people that that actually have a beach volleyball name or on the indoor scene. And um, yeah, it's very 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 cool to see, to see you continue to do your thing. Um, what was your last um, overseas or international assignment? Was it Lima? Yeah. So the last actual season I played, yeah, it was in it was in Lima. Uh, when I played for uh, Club Regatas, and, uh, you know, I felt like, man, that was probably my favorite season. It was very short because the men's season out there is only probably two two months. So I was out there for like two and a half, maybe almost three months. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the women's side, it's five months. So yes. um, even though it was very short, it was really good volleyball. Um, my coach, uh, his name is Paco. Uh, he he was the Spain women's and men's national team coach for a few years, and he he kind of reminds me of a uh, John Spira in terms of his philosophy and coaching. He's very very chill and very technical, and uh, and you know it was definitely a uh, <laughs> an upgrade from playing in Romania because you know I took like three years of Spanish, so it was like way easier to understand what was going on and. Yes. Uh, and yeah, he was, it was just super, like, I felt very comfortable being in the gym and with that coaching staff and with my teammates, like yeah. I felt like, okay, everyone here is really working hard and wants to win. Yep. And so, and, and having that 
having that feeling already, it just added to the fact that like, okay, like I, I'm going to give it my all, you know? So yeah. Yeah. What's up? Go ahead. Not said Lima's big on women's volleyball too. That's why yeah, I was asking. Exactly. On, like, you know, playing team. like South America, like, you know, that's, it's so big, like, and it was a ton of fun too. You know, we're playing in a Coliseum every single game. Like we're not traveling to different cities and playing, we're playing all one big like area and it's called just the Coliseum in Miraflores. Yep. And like, yeah, that having all those people and fans in there, it was amazing. Yeah. I, I saw when, when I went to Lima, so um, they were playing, they played Cuba and, you know, yeah. Cuba's one, you know, one of the, even now, I mean, they 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 rule the nineties. I think they're the only three P champions for um for men's or women's indoor volleyball for gold ninety two, ninety six, and two thousand for indoor. You know, of course, the American women did that for the beach. So um, they're still like this. They're coming to town. Everybody, that's that's it's a must see. Um, yeah, yeah. And me, you know, I'm I'm giving away my age, of course, but I followed that team, and and it was weird. They, they were one of the only teams I saw run a six three. Uh, on one of their one of their Olympic uh, tournaments, they ran a six three, and I was like, "The fuck is a six three? What? How's that? How is that done again?" And I saw it and I watched it. And I'm like, "Wow, just wow, you know." And that's cool. And the setters didn't even, they didn't even bother passing tight because if you're, the other team knows you're running the six two, just stay on the ground. Um, in the middle, gets a better look at the court when the set is coming from a lower place as opposed to high contact. High yeah. contact is nice because it's re it's the the uh, the point of contact from the side of the U is only put in a position where only you can hit it, but there's, there's something about seeing how the court and your peripheral vision, how the the defense is setting up and the switches as the set is coming up. That's why you notice like some of these indoor teams, the people that have a shorter setter, <laughs> the middles yeah. the middles are, are are doing better. I'm not, and it's a it's it's I call it weird science, you know, yeah. I yeah. I, I didn't do a study on that or anything. For sure. But yeah, I mean, you you know, like you know, having to play have played with me, you know, for beach or or yeah. whatever, like you know, having that window, being able to see everything is is everything. Yeah, great. Dave Smith just posted. He's a great great middle attacker, great athlete. Trying to survive long enough in the game myself to have him block for me in doubles <laughs> when he focuses more on that, and I'm like, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, who says who says Greg ain't focusing? <laughs> that look, that is you focusing. I've seen you play indoor, okay? You having a good time, and I don't know if you're smiling because you're gritting your teeth when you hit a middle, or if you're smiling because there's no place in the world you'd rather be. But I, I, I see you playing sand and indoor, and it, it seems like the same to me. I mean, are you a more dedicated indoor player? Yeah, I'm gonna be real. Of course, that's yeah. your wheelhouse. But, but nobody says you gotta, you gotta look like a, you gotta look like an asshole <laughs> to be intense. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think that the biggest thing for me is like, mm. even when I when I play indoor, when I play beach, especially when I play beach, I, I feel a little bit more relaxed because I know that it's not my forte. So it's like, obviously, if I make a mistake indoor, I've been playing the game so long that I'm like, I could probably be a little harder on myself. But playing beach, it's like, hey, I'm out here on the beach with friends and we're competing. It's everything's great. So to me, having that having that mindset and just being a little bit more relaxed definitely helps me in terms of playing. Because then I don't get as super tight because it's like, hey, you know, you know, this is okay. This is, I'm learning. Yeah, that's that's no yeah. doubt. Yeah, listen, I, I remember saying this before. Ah, shut up. 
Look at my thing talking too much. I remember the first episode. I'm like, Greg Faulkner, the one that nobody asked to play doubles, but when Manhattan Sixes comes or when Smackfest comes, it looks like they're ready to have a fist fight. <laughs> you know why? Because those tournaments, of course, uh, are, are run by the medals, right? Yeah. Smackfest. I'm actually trying to pull that up. Smack, Smackfest volleyball. Smackfest beach volleyball. A party in Southern California. Hmm. Well, let's do the short one. <laughs> let's do that. Sorry. Let's do this. And let's do that. That's a skip. <laughs> this is it, right? Yep. Actually, let's, um, let's get the full screen on that. Big up to Mad Video Lab for this. So every year, you kind of um. Actually, this doesn't even look like Smackfest. It looks like Manhattan Sixes, but no, Smackfest. Look at the, for, for the people that don't know what Smackfest is, like, they just need to appreciate the nostalgia. And they need to see like how big. Um, I wish I could mute this. Put it on a couple of, couple of seconds more. Yeah, so thing I like about Smackfest is it's it's like a party. It's competitive, you know what I mean? I mean, you get a bunch of elite athletes on the court. They don't want to lose a checker. So, I mean, so of course it's going to get personal. It's going to get competitive in some instances. But um, I want you to convey to the people listening just how much of um, the mixture it is. It's competition, but it's more than that. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's definitely it definitely feels like one of those uh... – events where it really brings a lot of athletes together and from different ranges of, you know, um, uh, of play as well. Um, it's, it feels like one of those, like, it's like a, like a networking event, you know, like obviously you get to see, uh, a lot of different new faces, but at the same time you get to see a lot of people, you know, and like you said, it can get personal. We're all out there having a good time, you know, talking trash here and there. But then also, these people who aren't uh, at such the uh, at such of a high level, they are able to talk and and mingle with these people, you know. And you know, I think um, there are some there are some people, some athletes who you know are viewed as you know uh, not as not as easily approachable, you know, and stuff. And I feel like being in a, in, in an environment like that it's like really nice to be able to like, Hey, we're all playing volleyball. We're all uh, enjoying ourselves and you can have an actual conversation with these people, you know, no, no doubt. See that side of them. And then, Hey, like, you know, like, Hey, I might look like I'm not approachable on the, because of how I act on the court, but you know, you we're in a setting where it's okay to talk to someone that you don't even know and have a, and have an actual meaningful conversation. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. That's cool. And it's in Hermosa Beach, usually south of the pier. And, and we missed that, right? No Smackfest this year. Doesn't look like there's yeah. going to be much Manhattan, uh, Manhattan Sixes either. They, they've been saying that they want to do it, but I don't, it's, you know, it's not going to happen. Like, as much as they want it to happen, you know, I feel like it's probably best in terms of, you know, safety and, 
Uh, just have it for the next year. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm in no rush. Yeah, you know, I love. I would love to play six man. I'd love to play Smackfest, but you know, I rather us be safe as well. And I mean, if we're still allowed to play here and there and and have no problems because of the because of the idea of numbers, that's fine. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not like we can't play volleyball at all if we were earlier. You know in the stages but. and as far as social distance activities are concerned i can't even think of anything better than beach volleyball i mean mma nobody i mean that's nice but who wants to get punched in the face for for exercise all right uh, you know tennis yeah. that's about facilities that's about equipment you know it's permits and all that shit. um beach volleyball you know a lot of the club teams have been practicing in small numbers like if right. someone usually has an eight person group like Duran, she just, she doesn't have eight person groups anymore. She has four person groups, and we just hire hire more coaches, or just space out the practice days and times, which I think is smart. Pompilio, you know, I don't mean to name names or whatever. I'm not trying to knock on nobody, but um, like you said, it's something that nobody's enforcing because because we're not acting like children. I said in the previous podcast, if we don't behave like adults, the government will treat us like children. Right. Like the reason to me, the reason why the beaches got shut down at Redondo and Hermosa Manhattan Beach was uh, a few months ago. There's this video that just made national news in Florida where everybody was out there partying like it was fucking spring break. They were every, it was just, yeah, I, I, you saw the video I'm talking about, right? Like, doesn't seem like Florida cares about social distancing, you know, and whatever's in the drinking water, they just made all those people get together. Everybody freaked out and everyone just shut down their beaches. And that's an example of me uh, that I'm trying to convey that um, if we behave, we don't behave like adults, the government's going to treat us like children. And the only reason why nobody's breaking anybody's balls about playing beach doubles, it's because it's just, it's not affecting people on a strand. It's not, it's not affecting people who, who are electing to not leave their house because there's no law saying that you have to leave your house on phase one or phase two or whatever. And, mm -hmm. um, and since we have to accept this as a reality, I think that goes that swing. It goes both ways, right? Like social distance and staying home. It is a fact that that's the best way to avoid it, but that's not a reality. You know why? Because um, how long is, is always the question, Greg, right? A year till a vaccine comes. The vaccines maybe for one of the strains and not for all three, the three that we know of, which is another year and a half. That's two years. That's not a reality. No, people are not going to stay home and hide behind their doors until a vaccine comes. Um, um, it's not. So, but so as adults, how do we find ways to to live life and have a, a yeah mix? The conflicting forces here are your quality of life versus the sanctity, right? You want a good quality of life, but you want to live <laughs> too, right? Did you see on the news Nick Cordero, Broadway singer, Bullets Over Broadway, died? No, no. Died. What happened? Hospitalized, coronavirus, 90 days, finally passed away. Wow. Was in a coma, had to have a pacemaker, had to have a breathing uh, device. Um, and this is the man that could afford the health care, you know? Mm -hmm. And... And now it's weird because everyone else got a spike and now New York is doing well. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something yeah. else, man. I mean, that's the biggest thing is like, if everyone just listened in terms of, you know, hey, if you're going to be outside, you're going to wear a mask, you know, you're going to do all this type of stuff, you're going to wear a mask. That's fine. You know, then it should be 
you know, we be farther along than we than than uh, some other places. But it's just when, like you said, Florida, some other places, Huntington, whatever it is, you had all these people out there, you know, walking around not wearing masks, and yeah. then here we are. But that's because a lot of them are uneducated on the facts given to them. Like a lot of people are under the impression that a mask prevents you from getting it. And that's not that's not how the facts steer. The mask prevent you from giving it to someone in case you have it. Right. So when some people are like, I'm wearing, he's wearing a mask, I'm not wearing a mask, we're cool. That's not how it works because that person that's not wearing a mask is getting fed false information. He thinks that that person wearing a mask prevents him from getting it in case the person not wearing it has one. That's not the case. No, mm -hmm. the person, you wear it because in case you have it, you have a, a higher percentage chance of not giving it to someone else. That's why if someone's going to be, you know, I mean, we've we seen our peer, we've seen the restaurants, right? And they've done a really good job extending the outdoor, right? They took the indoor furniture, put it out, more tables outside, and you got empty space, full space, empty space, full full space, plastic barricades. Like I see an American junkie do that really good. Sharkies, they don't look like they give a fuck. They really don't. Because it looks like, I looked in that place, I'm like, it looked like this. Damn, I'm like, it looks like the same. It looks like football on Sunday, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hennessy's, we saw La Pamela, Pamela, this is our neighborhood, we talking about what we're, we're neighborhood guys, you yeah. know, I still order pizza at Mickey's, you know, they do a good job out there, um, they're still slow as hell, but it's worth, uh, it's worth the wait, um, so yeah, very, very intelligently said, so now that I got you all comfortable, now I'm going to hit you with a left, um, here's, here's an odd question, off the wall question, um, our climate is not just consumed by COVID, but it's consumed by racial tension. And I guess just to keep things light, have you been a white whisperer? A white whisperer? A white whisperer is when some when a white whisperer is when a black person is in an environment where he's the minority. There's maybe him and another black guy, and white people don't know what to do or how to behave. <laughs> And they, they sometimes they go to their black their black counterparts and they're like, look, there's BLM, like we want to protest volleyball, but is is protesting, you know, getting us back on the beach. Is this is this a time sensitive thing? Is this bad because of what's does it overshadow BLM or whatever? So uh, white whispers, do you have a, a lot of white people asking you uh, like how they should go about this? Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, you, you've seen how, like, my friend group and, you know, uh, all yeah. my different friend groups, I would say, and, you know. South Bay, dude. I mean, I'm just, yeah, we're being real. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I have my fair share of people asking me, hey, what is it that I should do? How how can I help? You know? And, um, I mean, the biggest thing is just, just to educate yourself, you know? Yeah. Like, like, usually, if you don't know something what's the logical way for you to find that out you gotta research yeah right you gotta listen and that's just how you gotta go about it i mean the more you know the better that you are because then you can then after you know all the information then you can make a logical you know um you know uh yeah. idea of like what it is you need to do moving forward right connecting the dots yeah you can come to your conclusions yeah i mean for me i don't think 
both of those choices operate successfully independent of each other. Should white people do their research? Yeah, do your homework. Don't go, go to the, for every black person you see and ask them to whisper. But I think white whisperers are necessary because as far as how to proceed forward and how to change legislation, I don't think we want the same white people who got black people in that mess in the first place to get together and decide how they're going to change the rules. Yeah. Right. So, right. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, don't don't you think we need some black voices in there instead of I mean, because those are the same people that set up black people didn't set up this racial tension. I'm not trying to be black bias or white bias, but black people did not set up racial this racial tension. You know, some uh, someone yeah. out there who saw someone who was not a human being decided he wanted to treat someone a certain way that if that person were white, he probably most likely would not have treated that person that way. How's yeah. that sound? I'm, 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 how am I doing so far? No, that sounds great. All right, cool. I mean, um, um, definitely, you know, I, I was, what was that? I was, uh, you know, just on in, on the internet and I read something that like, that I had a moment where I sat back and just was like, wow. And so when you think about it, you know, you got the whole Black Lives Matter movement, right? And, and the key word is matters, right? So, and then you have people saying all lives matter, right? But if you think about it, you know, the people who are saying all lives matter, you know, I, it, it almost sounds just like when you think of the forefathers who put in the constitution, all men are created equal. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, what, why are we dealing with this right now? If that was the case. It's pretty I mean, good. That's a question. That's a you know? yeah. So, and then now they're talking about how you know if we want to talk sports, you know how they're talking about you know um, the national anthem and how they want to make a black national anthem. Can we please get with some black people and ask them how they feel about that instead and of a bunch I, of white I, people getting together and doing this? And so what I said is, look, you identify the issue, right? And now you're just trying to cover your ass and trying to figure out, oh, hey, this is probably the best way to go about it. But if you do that, you make the national, a, a black national anthem, you're just segregating more. Like, oh, we're going to just, we're going to play our game and then, hey, we're going to have the national anthem and then we're going to just play the black national anthem right after. That's not, it's not helping really. So now, if you want to talk about, hey, we're going to change the actual NAFLA anthem in terms of some of the lyrics, okay, fine, maybe. Yeah. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know, I don't know uh, exactly what I would say, what I would offer for that. But if that's what you want to do, that makes a little bit more sense than having two actual national anthems. Yeah, I mean... I don't even know what the hell they're talking about. If they're going to have a, if they want to change the national anthem, that that where black people and white people can be proud of, change the national anthem. Don't call it black or white, right? If all men are created equal, and if all these people that are contradicting themselves saying all lives matter, act like it. If all lives matter, you shouldn't have a black national anthem. If all lives matter, if, if these people are, are are saying what they think, what I think they're trying to say. Did I lose you on sound? No, I'm okay. here. Um, for me. 
this is why I say white whisperers are super necessary. <laughs> hey, let's together, let's get together, make a black national anthem, make them black people proud. Did you did you did you ask a Greg Faulkner? Did you did you ask a Rob McLean? Did you ask a Jeff Samuels? Rob Rob McLean said this very 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 well, and this is why I'm doing this podcast because I usually don't like to mix politics with sports, but there are certain things that, on a general level, in our brain, are um are um, nonpartisan. Black Black Lives Matter is a humanitarian movement. That's yeah. not a liberal movement. That's not a, a Republican movement. And anyone that decides to go further left on that because they're a liberal, a further right on that because the, 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 these people are Donald Trump no matter what, or these people are vote blue no matter who, um, they're missing the point. Black Lives Matter is a humanitarian effort. Black Lives Matter is, is something that um, uh, highlights the mistreatment, the systemic racism that unfairly treats black people that may or may not have committed uh, uh, something that's per someone perceives to be a crime. All right. Cause yeah. th if you notice everyone that gets shot in the back or everyone that gets choked out, everyone, you know, you know what some people are doing um, and this is left and right. Oh, what did the guy do? Does, yeah. No, what fuck what the guy did. Oh, I heard he's, he deals illegal cigarettes. Oh, so the penalty is death. <laughs> You know, yeah, right. Right. what we live in Pakistan or something, anything a motherfucker do, death. Greg, 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 you ran a stop sign, death. <laughs> it's like, I, I ain't going to do it again. I'm like, I know, I know you ain't going to do it again. <laughs> Greg, just public hangings. <laughs> right? What happened to Jason? Fucked up. <laughs> um, so, but then even if they do that, what about the people that didn't do anything? What about someone that's JWB? What about somebody who's jogging while black, committed no crime, got shot by someone who's not even who's not even an on-duty cop, not even an active police officer? Right. You know, how about Zimmerman? You know, I mean, the, the you know freaking mall. Uh, I don't know toy cop with a real gun. This is why they don't give toy cops real guns. They're supposed to be flashlight police. I see you. <laughs> I see you. So um, so this most recent thing that happened in Minnesota, I, the only thing that made me happy because it was it was the first time that they delved into the cops history instead of the um, the suspect. It was one of the few times they were like, let's not look at this guy's past. And then then what happens? You look into the cops history, 18 different complaints. 18 complaints, which, by the way, these things are are are, are um, they're not public record because when they switch precincts or when they switch assignments, nobody knows. Right. You have to dig for it. But when you dig, well, 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 look what, you know, right, Greg, look what I found. So, so I want, I want people, you know, who think I'm, I'm trying to make this a politics thing or, oh, Jason's a liberal, which we both know is not true because I love my guns and I love, I love small government, you know, I love my guns and my gay people, right? That's right. In fact, we, we should arm gay people everywhere, right? How about that? Let's let's arm it, arm gays with AKs. How about that? <laughs> yeah, have, we'll have like our we'll have Brandon Clemens saying holding an M16 saying only you can prevent a hate crime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd no. be something, man. I I know, especially for me, like I have friends on both sides in terms of who they voted for, stuff like that. But yeah. The same friends also are understanding like, hey, this is a problem. And, you know, they're 
they are definitely speaking up about it. But they're, and, um, yeah. The, and I, and mean, I, also have, I also have my friends too, who are on their, who are on their side, who are, you know, supporting the police. And like, I'll be honest, like, I'll, I'll say it like, look, you know, I'm not saying all, all cops are bad. I'm not saying that at all. No. In fact, yeah. our police department's awesome. Right. And I have my fair share of run-ins with the police where it was just like something just really minor. I was walking and they just asked me, Hey, how are you how, like, where are you going? You know? And, you know, obviously, you know, I, you know, I've had the talk with my mom, you know, tells me how to, you know, how to react if you get stopped by the police and, you know, throughout my life. And, you know, I haven't had anything absolutely negative, you know, uh, but at the same time, you still have that feeling of like, oh, man, like, well, what if this is it? You never know. Right. But at the same time, I have my fair share of family and friends who are in the police force. Yeah. You know, so like I know that not every cop is bad. But at the same time, like we talk about this, we, we heard the skit, you know, the bad apple skit, yep. you know, and you just it's just certain things you can't stand for, you know, right. yeah. if you're if your whole you know, your job is to protect and serve the people, right? Instead of being a sentry, yeah. That means everybody. Yeah, instead of being a sentry where everyone's your freaking enemy. Yes, right? And, I mean, I would have to say, the only thing I can really truly say is that, like, when it comes to being a police officer, right, you know, how how long does it take for you to, you know, get done with your training to be a police officer? Hmm, you're getting somewhere, please. You know, Um, I don't, I don't know how long, I just know, was it maybe a year or so, maybe less That's you know, question. in terms of, Hey, you do this training, you know, you get your, you're on your probationary period and then you become a police officer. Right. I think that in terms of all the different, um, you know, situations that you can possibly be in as a police officer, it requires more time for that training Agreed. to be complete before you can get a badge because the reality is if you are just on the force and you get put in a, in a situation where it has to deal with a mentally unstable person, you know, what is your mindset? Like, what's the idea? What is, what are you trying to accomplish here? you the main comp, um, accomplishment should be try to deescalate the situation, right? You're dealing with yeah. someone who's mentally ill. Like you need to be able to deescalate the situation to help them out because you're, because at that point, they don't know what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. You don't or whether want... it's a person of, you know, color or, or whether it's a person who, you know, who has a weapon, you know, like, obviously, you're going to have situations that are very tough and, and you might have to make some tough, um, tough calls. But at the end of the day, like your main goal should be to make sure, hey, this person is put in custody and then we can actually actively after that determine, okay, what it needs to be done yeah. after that. Because yeah. the person you're talking to, but like the cop doesn't know their plight. They, they, the person they're talking to could be mentally ill, just mentally ill. Right. Right. You got someone cursing out the cops. Clearly, you know, if he's going off, like suck my whatever and this and that, yeah. and maybe he, maybe he ain't right in the head, <laughs> you know, or maybe, or maybe he's too woke. I, I agree. Yeah. You know, so I think that, you know, when you think of it in that regard and you see the people who have died or who have been, you know, uh, susceptible to like the police brutality and all this type of stuff. Given the situations, it's it's just not acceptable. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, and 
people and people just really need to listen to each other. Like you said, listening is the operative word here. You 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 use matter as an operative word. Um, um, but in another sentence, I like listening because if the more we listen to each other, the more we're, we're not listening to other people tell us how we should feel. I think um, received opinions are very very dangerous. I think protected ignorance is very very dangerous. Uh, protected ignorance means um, you've been apprised of actually what happened in the facts, but because you believed in something else for so long, you kind of double down. You kind of, you know, stand on your ground, which uh, protected yeah. ignorance um, basically is um, stupidity. I just don't like using the word, but but, but it is what it is. Um, and that comes from the left and the right. Like I got people that just find out someone voted for Trump and automatically assume the person's a racist. Person's not a racist. I, I, there are people, the fact that this is the cold hard fact, there are a lot of people under Obama's administration that got left out. There were people whose insurance premiums went up. They had they lost their insurance. There are certain people that had lost their jobs in their, their his administration. There are certain people that are against war that um, Obama, his hand was forced but to go in Afghanistan and drone people. There are certain people that are, that are not into uh, uh, regime change wars. So they're, they're, they were looking for someone that's not part of the establishment, that's not someone's puppet that they could vote in. So those people four years ago did vote for Trump. Now, why they would vote for him this year or whatever, I, I, I don't know, because it, right now it looks like he's trying not to get elected, reelected, you know? Um, yeah, um, and then on the right, you have um, you have people that are like, he's, he's GOP, no matter who. If he's GOP, he's good with me. You know what I'm saying? Because everything about Trump's policy, um, personal behavior, and the way he conducts his policies should be a Republican's worst fucking nightmare. All right. I was at Starbucks in Redondo and I listened to eight guys. Older guys look retired. You know, you know, you know, what I'm talking about the, the guys with the hot dog tan and, you know, the yeah. little dad bod belly, the whole living a dream, living a dream. Oh, look at my car. Look at how much I make. Everybody that rode by there screaming, go Trump, go Trump, go Trump. OK, cool. You're Trump people. And then one guy's wearing a Yankees hat. He guys says, he says, fuck New York, fuck New York. And I'm just like, I'm like, where's Trump from? Where's Donald Trump from? He's from Trump. Donald Trump is from Queens, New York. <laughs> yeah. So go, go to the guy that comes from the place you hate. <laughs> <laughs> go to the guy that comes from the place you just, you, you have contempt from. So, I, I think they're on one side, you're going to have people all oh, trumpeteer, trumpeteer, and then there's gaslighting where it comes to name calling. And when name calling starts, they ain't no listening, right? And then on the other side, GO, he's a GOP, um, so no, I support him no matter what, you know? Um, and then they're not listening. And that's what's happening right now. I think right now in this in this political climate that's dictating received opinions, you have people associating a BLM, Black Lives Matter movement, with people who are looting and, and robbing and vandalizing. They're, they're they're lumped, they're they're lazily, and I I use I'll use the word lazily lazy. They're lazily lumped into the same category, by the same group of people that have the nerve, the unmitigated gall to tell you that not all cops are like that because of the acts of a few. So the same people are like, now, you know, oh, you're going to hold all cops, whatever, uh, because of the acts of the handful of assholes. Those are the same person that are, the, the same person that same people that tell you that are the same ones that are a lumping BLM and vandalists and looters in the same category. So because of their, their received opinions, 
it's this overwhelming contradiction. And and what do we do? <laughs> what do we do? It's I mean it's it's very it's it's just so tough because now it's like you got everyone's focusing on all this stuff too. And then also with the election coming up, they have an opportunity to make sure that we can make a change in all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, hey guys, yes, you know, we know that you feel very strongly on these different things, but at the same time, we need to come together on a common ground and, and understand that, hey, we have the power to make changes. Yes. And in order to do that, we, you, I mean, obviously you're going to listen to both sides. Yep. And you also got to be able to see the facts. The yep. facts are that that police police brutality in itself is just not acceptable. No. Yes. If right. someone yeah. does a crime, they have to use the time. We know that. But at the same time, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty, right? I strongly, I'm the biggest proponent of that. So if that's if Late, that's lately state, sexual assaults on children, I've I've gone the other way, but I'm I've been with you on that. Go ahead. But it's like if that's what the statement is, we all know that. Then why is this even a question? Yep. Yeah. Fear of what they don't understand, and I think lack of training has a lot to do with it too. Like, right. if you look at Texas. Texas yeah. is supposed to be the biggest redneck country or whatever. Those cops are trained, dude. I got to give it up to, to um, uh, whether whether it's Austin, which is Democrat heavy, or Dallas or whatever. I don't know what they do in training that helps de-escalate situations, but they're very good at that. And there's this maybe there's a natural fear, too, of consequences where you if you see a cop, you just do what the hell he says. You know what I'm saying? There's no there's no blatant disrespect. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we well, look, we can cite a whole bunch of precincts that are doing a good job. Hermosa Beach is an excellent police force. I was at the town hall f- uh, meeting fighting for those guys because they were trying to reduce the numbers when they were already reduced. Um, I like those guys because once the neighborhood's small, they start to recognize people. They put a face with you. Uh, exactly. Guess what? They stop. They're, then it's not like this this combative situation where they they fear you have something. The police right. in our neighborhood know you're, you're Greg Faulkner. We know that. that we that see that guy at Smackfest all the time. Right? That was the, what, one thing that I was going to point out. Like, please. I feel like when you have, when you, let's say you, you become a police officer, right? And you get placed somewhere, right? Somewhere new. You don't know. You don't know anyone there. But at the same time, you know, you're just like, hey, all right, I got to do my job. And I got to do my job well. Like, that's a lot of pressure to have on somebody. Yeah. And and in doing so, not knowing the people of the area is a big factor too. Like, yeah, and don't you think getting to know those people is part of the job? Absolutely. Yeah, if it's serve and protect, serve right. That's the serve part. So, yeah. yep. You yeah. know, so I mean, that was another thing I was going to say. Like I remember, um, you know, to bring up, you know, fact that uh, there's one night, you know, I was out with my friends. We went to the pier, you know, um, and. I was with one of my best friends, uh, Alex. Uh, I was with Brittany Estes and uh, and my friend Ashley Midland. And like, I remember, you know, obviously I'm the one guy of the group who's black. Now, and I'm not by any means saying that, you know, this happened because of my, because of my skin color, right? All I know is that what the facts were, we're walking down Hermosa Ave, just like I always do, right? We had went to the pier. We came. We came down Hermosa Ave. Walked down. We're, we're like really close to Sixth Street or so. Two cop cars pull up out of nowhere. 
shining the flashlight on us on both on both the trucks and they're just like hey where are you guys going i'm gonna mind my fucking business sorry go ahead and i'm like you know i'm with my buddy alex i have ashley and Brittany in front of us i look at the cop and i and i this is someone who i don't recognize i don't i've never seen this guy before and i'm just like um i'm just heading home sir i live on second street my friend Brittany lives on sixth street we're just trying to we're just walking home and so the guy goes, okay, um, you know, well, we just heard some noise complaints. And I was thinking like, okay, like, thank you for bringing that to my attention. Yeah. You know, we're, we've, we've just been walking down Hermosa Ave, just yeah. trying to get home. Yeah, I think it's noisy before, man. Shine, like, lighten you I mean, up like a Christmas tree. Yeah, I'm like, okay, like, I understand, you know, but at the same time, it's like, to me, I'm thinking like, we're, we're just walking. We're not yelling. We're not being obnoxious at all. Not even close. Yeah. So I don't know why we got stopped. Not really. No. And okay, so the guy goes, okay, well, you know, get home safe, you know, have a good night. And then he drives off. And I, to me, I'm thinking like, okay, like. How else could they have, should they have handled that? Yeah. But I'm like, to, I'm, I'm everyone's look, like looking around in our group and they're like, what was that about? And I was like, I, I don't know. That's the first time that has happened. Like that's the first actual time that I got stopped by a cop in Hermosa Beach, and they asked me where I'm going. He you must know? have been like newbies. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, to me, I'm thinking like, wow, like, I mean, did did it look like we were threatening? Like we're just walking as a group. Like I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. What's going on? That's and that is. you know, I I I I find out later that apparently there might have been like a scuffle or something on the pier. But at that point, we were already gone. So I don't know. I don't know what it was, but that was one moment that just happened. Like it's probably within the last few weeks that yeah. it happened. Mm-hmm. And like I know with all this stuff that's been going on with between the looting and the riots and stuff, like I, I mean, that's the only reason why what I, why I could actually think of what it would have been. Yeah. Well, to me, I don't think it could have been that because i think there's a, a natural fear of someone trying to loot and rob in um hermosa beach in manhattan beach of redondo they know everybody here is armed to the teeth they're, they're i mean the the these people are second amendment and uh, heavy and they fear for their lives i think it's bad policing in a sense that if there's a scuffle or if there's a disturbance they usually have a description of someone and greg um you're not just for the people that see your face okay wow don't try to adjust the contrast on, your, on my TV. He's black, okay? Uh, all right? Your blackness ain't sneaking up on someone. Um, but you're also six foot eight. All right? And Brittany Estes is how tall? Five nine, five ten. So yeah. you're basically a foot taller than this girl. Um, so walking together, as far as descriptions and someone you might be looking for, I mean, it's pretty damn distinct. They they need to drive by you and they'd be like, oh, no, that dude's a tower. <laughs> that's not the guy we're looking, that's not the guy we want to stop in question. So maybe that maybe in that instance, I would call that bad policing if um, yeah. if they didn't have a description, you know? Because you, the story you just said, I'm, I'm trying to think on the cops level, they're looking for a particular one or two or three people and how did how do they approach that? Do they stop people randomly, or you know, I, did they stop you because you were black? You know, or, or yeah. Mm-hmm. I have no idea, and it's like, okay, look, I get it. Like you know, maybe one cop car, but yeah. obviously two, because they're probably thinking like, okay, numbers here. We got four people. We got two in our car. We got two in this car. 
all right, we're going to snub them together. It's ridiculous. I don't no, know. That's, ridiculous. that's the only logical thing that I could think of. That's like, like you just, really, but you I just that. And you have two cop cars just stop in front of us and just go, hey, where are you going? And I'm like, <sighs> I'm going home. Like, <laughs> my, my fucking business. <laughs> You know, like I, I'm trying to go home peacefully. Uh, that's what I was trying to do, but apparently you had other plans. <laughs> so I don't know. So I saw a comedian, Robin Harris. He's he's uh, he's doing a stand-up performance and how he passed the police test, or yeah. the cop the cop test. So he said the cop stopped me from stopped me coming here, right? And he shines a light on my face, and he's like, "Cops like, um, he's like, what you been doing?" And I was like, "I've been drinking." <laughs> Drinking, that's what the fuck I've been doing. A cop asked, how many drinks you had? I said, about 10. <laughs> and they said, um, where have you been drinking? He said, over at Vicks. And the cop looked at me, he says, go on. You can't be drunk. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's the day, that's the, the utopian day that I hope for, <laughs> that you could just, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he didn't. T- he did it the Robin Harris way. He didn't do it the Andrew Dice Clay way, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Andrew Dice Clay is different. It's like, I clocked you doing seven. It's like, I know, snap ahead. I would have hit 90, but you fucking stopped me. <laughs> 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 right? Are you drunk? Yeah, a little horny too. <laughs> what are you leaning in here for? <laughs> so, uh, no, okay. <laughs> and I'm back. So, uh, I, and I, I wasn't trying to go to a race for its own sake, but, but given our political climate and um, because you are an African-American that has a, a, a huge conglomerate of white friends, the, the, the real question was, um, like, or, or have you been a white whisperer? And, and I'm being by bi- the question comes from a biased place on my part. Do you see the ne- Can you appreciate the necessity of being one if you are? You know, because we don't need a bunch of white people remaking the rules that they made that that fucked people up in the first place. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna make rules on black people, I'm, I want black inclusion and and a black be, being a black a white whisperer is 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 an awkward thing because to us, obvious is obvious, and if it isn't, do your research. Like you said in the beginning, do your right, research. Right. Why are you asking me? Do your do your fucking research, right? That's the common sense way. And this is why a lot of people don't understand that, that the, the why, because uh, um, this is not um, uh, a high-level psychology. This is supposed to be common knowledge stuff, right? Press a Google button. Ask somebody. So, um Oh, Greg, sorry. I mean, I wanted to get you comfortable before I, I hit you with that loop because no, it's okay. I know, I mean, I, I, because you look at everybody as equals. And I know sometimes talking about race is not, uh, um, it's not our favorite thing. As you know, I'm black. My mom's black, so I'm, you know, and, and um, you know, I have, Deron has these conversations with us all the time, you know. Right. Because everybody's like, how do you feel, you know, should your coaching staff help us protest or how do they feel about BLM? And she's like, She's like, my whole damn coaching staff is minority. (laughs) You got Jaron Burrito, right? Half black, half Filipino. You got Rob McLean. You have Jeff Samuels. You got me. You have um, Oz, who's who's Cuban. You have Pompeo, who's from Brazil. (laughs) Where did all the white people go? (laughs) Hey, I mean, I I, I feel definitely okay with that, you know, but I feel like uh, a lot of people probably had it. I wanted to know what my ideas are where I stand on this whole entire thing. And, you know, 
it's one of those things where, you know, I remember somebody asked me, you know, hey, how are you doing with all this stuff? And I gave him the response. I mean, I feel the same way as I've always felt. Yeah. This stuff isn't new. Yeah. I mean, your father it's probably being, feels differently, right? It's just being filmed. Yeah. It's the same stuff that we've been that we've been saying. And now because it's filmed and you see it, you now think it's you worse. Yeah. Well, now Smith. you believe it and you're like, oh my God, how how could this be going on? I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. You tell me. Yes. Because we've been having to deal with this stuff all the time. Will Smith, that's his quote. It's not getting worse. It's getting filmed. Right. So that's, that's actually showed that it got a little bit better. <laughs> that stayed the same. But if it's on a film, it's sensationalized. And if it's sensationalized, finally. You know, finally. But between you and me, we're both cops. This is the second thing I'm going to get to. And I know at some point we got to go. Uh, um, the second, the first thing they need to do is do extensive training that helps de-escalate situations. Recognize someone, uh, be in uncomfortable situations where, where fear doesn't make you just automatically go for your gun or choke somebody out. The second thing we need to do, to, the second thing the police need to do is stop covering for each other. All right? Clearly, if you look at Garner and if you look at what happened in Minnesota, this cop wasn't acting alone. What were the other cops doing? Say it with me. They were watching. They're standing around. Watching. How about you want to get the fuck off that guy? The guy said he can't breathe. You know? And for you idiots out there that say that that ask, oh, if he can't breathe, how can he say I can't breathe? Because I'm gonna allow me to educate people on chokeholds for a second. Yeah. Here. Down to up, carotid artery, here, here cuts off the blood flow to your brain that's a different way to choke someone out they go to sleep it's an uncomfortable nap but it's painless and when cops were being tra trained on chokeholds this is what this is the best way and if the cops were trained on how to choke people properly i'm all for chokeholds it's better than beating someone with your nightstick until it's till they can't move that's permanent injury chokeholds uncomfortable but you're out and the second way the other way or the two ways that i know of forearm across the throat now that's a deadly one because it allows you to exhale but you can't take hair back in so if i do this and i say i can't breathe when if i have to take air back in to say something or whatever i can't yeah so technically you could say i can't breathe i can't breathe you can't take air back in and you right. die via uh, uh if you if you die or in these cases, when they died, it was via asphyxiation. So a little, um, I'm not a science guy, but a little education on the difference between chokeholds and why I think chokeholds shouldn't be banned completely. I just think they, they need to be, if you're, if, if you're going to use them, if people are going to break the damn law and use something that's banned anyway, do, do it so it doesn't kill them. Yeah. But that's not the point I was getting to. Stop freaking covering for each other. You want a, a police force that people can respect? And if you got bad cops that are doing the same thing, I can understand someone makes a mistake. Kid has a toy gun, look real enough, you shot someone. It's like, I never want to be a cop again. You're assigned to a desk. Um, those through training could be avoided as well, but that's not that's not a, uh, um, you know what I'm saying? That's not a mistake. You saw someone because they're black. They look right. like, you know, you responded to a to an arm something, you know, and, you're, and of course you're nervous. That's different, you know? Um, but stop covering for each other. Someone gets reported with 18 complaints. Guess what? That means you're covering for him. He's got his behind need to be gone. How about get rid of those guys? How about forget defund the police? How about fund the police, 
through extensive training that helps in de-escalate situations? How about allocate the resources to that? How about make starting salaries competitive so this way intelligent people want to be cops because cops make money? Right. Do you know a juggling clown makes more money than the starting salary of an NYPD cop? A juggling clown. That's wild. From parties. And you know how I feel about clowns. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I just don't like clowns, Greg. But thought, but yeah. your thoughts on like as far as uh, this whole defund the police and um, and your thoughts on my opinion as far as allocation of resources. I I definitely agree because mm. you know it, it's very very important you know to have a police force you know that is actually well you know well established and trusted in the community you know and. I feel like just police forces, like on a general, you know, general term is just like, hey, you need to be able to have officers that are actually, you know, wanting to make sure that they are doing the best they can to serve and protect. That's it. Why, listen, I'm sorry you That's got, it. I'm sorry you got lit up by the Hermosa Beach uh, uh, crew, but I, I can name out of those 26 cops, I bet you 16 of them know you by name. You know, I bet, I bet a lot of those guys. I mean, you're, dude, you're six eight. You're six eight African American in South South Bay. If they don't know you, they gotta, they, they just quit. They gotta quit their job. They have to know, like that white haired guy, that bum picking in garbage cans uh, that we see all the time. Yeah. Like they, 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 they. Our cops should know that guy's name. This is how you do good policing. If you know people's name and you're in a situation, they're not thinking, oh, my God, is that guy armed? And like, no, that's Greg. He's okay. Had a little bit to drink. All right, Greg, tell me what's tell me what's going on. <laughs> I tell you what's going on, man. This dude cheated in the pool, man. I'm gonna beat his ass, you know, so so everybody's, you know, the cops coming now instead of this tension, they just go. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Thank the Lord. <laughs> you know, hope yeah. it is nonsense. So. Yeah, and also to uh, to talk about you, the allocation of funds and stuff. You know, I mean, you know, if we want to talk about, okay, hey, you know, these cops are getting the proper training to make sure that they can deal with these situations for you know whatever, right? And then also you are having a social worker coming with them on these calls to take care of this stuff. You know. So they don't, it's so it's the biggest problem is what I think it is. It's not that we don't want the police there. It's just that we can have someone who's more qualified to assist because there's too much responsibility on the cops to handle all this wide, uh, you know, wide uh, spread of different situations. You know, I feel like, you know, we can take some of that pressure off of them. Yeah. You know, mostly be some of the younger cops, they don't know people's names. Like I went to the meeting, I said hi to some of those people and they're just like, you know, they, they do kind of the arrogant volleyball thing. So, so there is, there is a new, a new wave of cops that, that, that could be problematic. Hermosa Beach Police Department, but anyone with stripes on on anyone with stripes on their thing, they've been here too long. They know they, they, if they don't, they should, you know, and in my next town hall meeting, uh, you know, whatever, I'm, I will bring that attention, their attention because I was the first one, the white knight for those guys when they were trying to cut policing. But, yeah. you know, I was the first one because I recognized it. When I grew up on Flatbush, before Flatbush took a dive, um, um, we had local cops. And if someone someone's house got broken into, they came to him with information. Yeah. 
It's not like he had to go and question people. It's not like they had to go and investigate. The, we as a community, um, and that's community service. That's, that's serve and protect. That's serving. That's, that's community mm-hmm. servants, you know? Yeah. Did and, you listen and, to any of the, uh, my last two episodes, I talked about Michael Wood, Baltimore Police Department. Mm-hmm. He was instructed by his captain to just make three arrests. You know, he comes back and he's like, you're going to arrest anybody. Well, no one committed the crime. Just go. I don't care. Go out there. Give me give me three bodies. So. So, Greg, where's he going to go? Is he going to go to South Bay and, and arrest a, a bunch of guys smoking weed on the beach after the beach volleyball game? No, because you don't know who their parents are. No, he's going to go to South Central. Right. Uh, yeah. or, or or a neighbor or a neighborhood in his district. That's the, that's the poorest or or whatever. Like in Manhattan, they, they're not going to go on the Upper West Side. They're going to go to Harlem. And, and guess who that population is that are getting jacked up? Those are African-Americans. So there is a systemic racism because even the cops that are assigned to make arrests, regardless of whether no, someone committed the crime or not, are not going to go to someone a few shades lighter, you know? You get arrested. They, they tell you to plead out. You, if, if you plead out, you, you can go plead guilty and you can go home. You go home, it's on your record. So now next time when someone sees you, Oh, that guy has a record, you know, and 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 now you're in the, the freaking system when you're just, dude. I mean, you could just be uh, uh, JWB, <laughs> jogging while black. So, and that's what needs to change. That guy, by the way, he quit. He quit, and he was on Joe Rogan's podcast. And a lot of cops quit. A lot of cops, the, but a lot of cops didn't. A lot of cops, they have to feed their families, and a lot of cops are stuck in that system. They're scared. They're they're scared, and they don't know how to get out. And, but now. It spilled over. If there's ever an opportunity to not be scared and step forward, and just just clean house with your departments, uh, now right, now's the time, right? I absolutely, you know, and and that's the thing too is like you know being able to recognize, okay, hey, you know, we did not go about this as well as we should have. We need to make some changes, mm-hmm. but also at the same time, on the same token, on the same note, you know. Everyone who's saying defund the police, just understand that you got to understand exactly what you mean when you say that. Because the idea is, if you defund the police, like, what do you think is going to happen with crime? Do you think it's going to get better? Do you think it's going to get worse? Because what's going to happen is, if we don't have the police there, right, you're going to have more people who are going to try to put the law in their hands, and it's only going to make the problem worse. Agreed. You need to be able to figure out a way to make the changes we need at that level so okay. that way we have people who we can trust with that power amen how's your dad doing he's been doing great i saw him yesterday with my brother and his wife they came down from modesto so it was great uh and you know he's he's still he's still moving around trying to stay busy you know him yeah. he's retired but he's he's always trying to be working doing something so. I, lo- I love that man's conscience yes I love and your brother too. I love I love their conscience and I love that it comes from a a, a a good place in their heart and I love the passion, you know and 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 the issues. You know they're issue, they're they're issue oriented. I'm always gonna co-sign with almost everything they think. You know. Oh yeah. The, I mean yeah. Know? I mean you see how my dad is on Facebook when he talks about yeah all kinds of things. So yeah. you know he's uh, man. He's... It comes from an honest place. And, and the cool thing is like well, he and I have disagreed on some things, but. It's so um, refreshing to disagree with someone, or d- agree to disagree with someone, and but but you know why, and it comes from an honest place, and just because you disagree on one thing doesn't mean you disagree on everything, right? 
Because the same people, because the same people that had a problem with Trump's personal life are the same people that had no problem with Bill Clinton's personal life. So I mean, so I mean, or, or you know, so it's one of those things where, look, if you if you're against uh, if if you're against tariffs or whatever, and he is, get on board with him on that. And if you oppose uh, um, tax cuts for the wealthy, then you oppose him on that. So, but but it's not like we're like children. We're like we're like twelve year olds. It's like if if you don't give me everything I want, I'm not going to support you on something, even though that's us, even though I support that too. That's just that's that's. It's like what are we twelve? <laughs> you know, and that's what I like about your dad. His personal bias does not affect his critical thinking skills, and I like that. And you, my friend, are a chip off the old block. You <laughs> Thank know, you. he's proud to call you his son. I'm sure. You know, me, I have a whole bunch of dads, different last names. I never met my father, but. You know, I'm glad, glad you got yours and me, my little girl, she gonna, let me tell you something. She gonna hate me, man. I'm, I mean, that growing, I mean, I don't think I should be a father. She ain't gonna go nowhere, dude. You have a little girl, I'm so biased. You know, it's just, <laughs> right? Greg, if you had a little girl, I'm telling you, you know. Uh, she gonna play volleyball? No. <laughs> Harry Cartwright says, love you guys. Way to put things in perspective. Talk what about our saying? boy, huh? <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's the man, you know, that's the one thing I, I really do miss about, you know, you know, being in quarantine or, you know, just with karaoke out, it was nice. It was a nice, you know, time for us who don't see each other on a day to day basis, you know, to, to reconnect and, and just yeah. catch up, you know, and God, so, I miss it. Don't uh, you miss it? Yeah, I absolutely do. Oh. And like, I mean, yeah, we're there for the for the music there, but it's also just the way to just escape. My yeah. birthday is July 26. We need to find a way for Hennessy's to do it, to do a social distance karaoke. I mean, there are ways that we can figure out. If we really want to do it, we can Everybody bring their own microphones. <laughs> you know, like if we need to have the whole entire I'm shield, so in like, love with you. <laughs> like, there could be, there could be ways. But it's, it's, yeah, I, do, I definitely do miss it. <sighs> Yes, I can picture you with the mask and then all of a sudden, take it slow. <laughs> oh, that would be an awesome big 5-0 for me, my man. I know. <sighs> all right. Well, we're fast approaching my birthday, but I think we hit the end of the road here, okay? All right. Um, yo, dude, love you, man. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my very first guest on episode one and now back for episode 41. Volleyball extraordinaire and uh, uh, coaching phenomenon. This is Greg Faulkner, my man, big sexy. And for all of you at home, for all of you on your iPads listening to this or watching this, for all of you online at Starbucks looking on your iPhones, for all of you at your, on your desktops, all you old school people, desktop, who runs the world? Oh, people, oh, people. <laughs> For Greg Faulkner, I am Jason DeBeas. And I say, oh, wait, wait, wait. We got to hit my music. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, ooh, ooh, uh -uh. Let's, let's hit, hit the pause button. Hit the pause button and... Come check out the Option Podcast on optionvb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.